reading from verse 1 to, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if there is any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him, and given him the name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, and those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Uh, thank you that you inspired Paul to write these words, uh, that they might be there for our instruction, and that we might be doers of this word, and that it might be grafted into our spirit, uh, so that we uh, love this life of Christianity. Allow its work to be fulfilled in us. Amen. <coughs> so I have a few thoughts uh, to share with you. And uh, this business of Jesus humbling himself and leaving heaven. Humility is essential for revival to come about and for revival to be sustained. If humility isn't part of that process, then whatever happens is likely to be a passing thing. Without humility, revival becomes actually self-serving. So Jesus demonstrated the greatest expression of humility by becoming, or coming in the form of a servant, and laying aside all his heavenly privileges. He didn't need to do that. But he did do that. Now, sometimes serving God requires that we lay aside some of our privileges. We're not laying aside things that are wrong, things that are bad. Necessarily, of course we should put those things aside, but he's talking about privileges, good things. And he laid the good things aside in order to come. 
So by stripping himself of his rightful deity and becoming human, he set in motion the wheels of revival to experience it firsthand for humanity when he was crucified and died and then was gloriously resurrected. So we must likewise take upon ourselves the attitude of servants. This is not an easy thing for many people. Taking on the attitude of a servant, humbling ourselves and forsaking our prideful privileges in this earthly existence. This is just, you know, maybe a 70 year period of eternity that we're here. It's kind of like God's training ground for us for eternity. How well we do here will have something to do with what we do in the future. Those who overcome will rule and reign with him, he says. If we allow the things that God is wanting us to lay aside to be too important for us to lay aside, then we didn't overcome that. And that's going to diminish, in a sense, what your participation will be in your future life in heaven. So we forsake or forsook everything. We accomplish this uh, through humility. We've got to fearfully yield our lives to God and determine to live out everything that's related to this walk of salvation and this walk of God. He will strengthen our wills and create in us a resolve to do this. What are some of the things involved in giving up our rights? You know, Jesus was our supreme example when it comes to giving up rights. He gave up his right as part of the Godhead to become part of the human race. I can't quite even imagine the sacrifice involved in Jesus doing that. So when we think we've given up something great for God, imagine what it was that God was willing to do through Christ for us. He gave up his right to be born in a decent place even. He was born in a cattle shed, wasn't he? With the smells of urine and animal feces. It's not exactly the place where you would imagine God all the earth should be born as a human baby. My gosh. None of us started that. He gave up his right to an education. We all think this is our right. Well, you know, serving Jesus has to do with giving up all kinds of things. And it's when we think it's our right, am I willing to hold on to what is my right? Because God wouldn't take that away from me, we say. 
Jesus gave up his right to transport. Only one occasion do we have him sitting on the back of a colt. The rest of the time, through his years of ministry, he walked everywhere. Rather, a vast amount of miles in the journey of his three years. We think we have a right to own a car or a bike or a moped or something else. He gave up his right to own a home or have any land that was considered his, though he had created it all. He gave up his right to a career. And he gave up his right of marriage. He gave up his right of having his own family and children. He gave up his right to have a fair trial when he was being falsely accused. He gave up his right to even live and lay it down so we could live. So this morning I wanted to talk just a little bit about giving up rights because well, there's so much teaching going out here today in the church about God wanting us to be prosperous and God wanting us to have nice things and God wanting us to, you know, be at least keeping up with uh, the neighbors and, uh, you know, the whole idea of that which is uh, pleasing our sensibilities. And a lot of stuff in, in churches these days and in teaching coming all over the place. You know, that kind of stuff, I, I, I dare to suggest, will never create revival. That kind of stuff will, will never bring about the gospel reaching the ends of the earth. It's self-serving. And Christians, uh, they don't watch out, can easily be led into the business of give me this and give me that. I want this. I want that. So I want to talk a little bit about giving up our rights today because when I look at Jesus as my example, he gave up everything. How much did he give up? Everything. So the little cards that were handed out to you this morning, um, as I worked through some of these things, uh, this morning. If it's something that you feel like Jesus may be speaking to you this morning, that you to give that up to him, then you write that on your card. And when we are finished this morning, I want you to come to the cross and nail what you're giving to Jesus to the cross. This is your participation this morning. We, we want to do this as a family. And uh, we want to say to Jesus, that we want to follow him. And we want to be about the Father's business as it relates to our personal lives. So here we go with some more things about giving up rights. The first one I put down on my list here is the right to be angry. A lot of people feel like you know, your emotional swings in life is your life. God made me this time. 
But uh, when you look at somebody like Joseph, if you read his story, I'm not going to go into all the scriptures, uh, scriptures this morning, but I will give the references to you if you uh, want those. Genesis 42.6 is a story where Joseph, of course, had been sold by his brothers into slavery. And, uh, and, and Joseph has every reason to be angry with his brothers. They were jealous of him. Now, Joseph didn't choose to be the child that was born to him and Rachel. Uh, to, 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 to David and Rachel. Uh, that wasn't his choice. <coughs> he, he, he's the youngest. And because Rachel had no other children, and Jacob loved Rachel, uh, he was special to Jacob. Uh, Jacob wasn't perfect, the father. Uh, and, and he made... Uh, a big mistake in favoring one child over another. So if God privileges you to be a parent one day, young people, don't ever favor one child over another, even if one child is better behaved, or one child is smarter, or one child is more athletic, or one child looks cuter. Don't, don't, don't do that. Because this created huge trouble in Jacob's family. To the point that his brothers wanted to kill him. They ended up selling him, if you please, like a worn out piece of cloth. And he's sent to a foreign land where he knows no one and doesn't know the language or the culture. And he becomes a slave. The end of his story, he ends up becoming the Prime Minister of Egypt. It's rather an extraordinary story. It's the story of Joseph. And eventually those brothers who sold him off, who initially wanted to kill him but ended up selling him, come to get some food because it was famine in the land and there was only food in Egypt and so when Joseph sees his brothers come he immediately recognizes them but they do not recognize him Joseph had every opportunity at this point now to get his own back on those brothers who as who sold him uh, and got rid of him. And uh, in order, you see, that they might receive affection from their father that was equal to that which the father gave to the youngest son. I doubt if that happened. So their envy didn't pay off. The point of the story is, did Joseph, therefore, use his right to be angry with his brothers. What's the answer? No. No, he didn't. He had long since forgiven his brothers. So when those brothers showed up, it wasn't a choice he had to make. He had done it a long time ago. Don't hold on to anger because it's a destructive force, like a volcano, waiting for an explosion and give it the right moment, the top comes off. The way to deal with anger 
is to forgive. Do not wait for your moment to give expression to it because it's a force that will cause you to wish you hadn't said the things that came out at that point in your life. So, giving up your right to be angry. Once you think about that, that's something that has been an issue in your life. It doesn't need to continue to be because we make choices about how we behave and how we respond. Another thing about giving up rights that I've listed down here is the right to freedom. In Jeremiah 38, verse 6, we've got the story of a prophet who was a very faithful preacher of God's word. But the people of Israel, to whom he was speaking, hated Jeremiah because Jeremiah was trying to bring correction to a nation that had walked away from God. And because of his persistence in in bringing correction to them, they stopped their ears and didn't want to hear anymore. And they took Jeremiah and they threw him in a well that was still muddy in the bottom so that he would sink into the mud and die. And so uh, his whole life is hanging in the, the wind, so to speak. I was thinking to myself about the right to be free. And Jeremiah, even though he knew that he was putting his life uh, at stake because he was warned not to continue to speak this way, and Jeremiah wouldn't stop. And so he put his very freedom into uh, jeopardy. You know, sometimes we may be called to speak the gospel in places and share it in locations where it puts our freedom at stake. I'm thinking of that American brother who went to Iran and is now being imprisoned for six months because the Iranian authorities caught him. He was a Christian brother, married here in the States with three children. And when he went to help the underground church in Iran, they napped Now they've been treating him unbelievably shockingly. He's an American citizen. And he knew when he went (coughs) that it might cost him his freedom. Are we willing to lay down our lives for the sake of the cross? Or Jeremiah was, and so is this dear man. There's really not a closed country on earth, you guys, as long as you're willing to go in and not come out again. Another thing that we're to give up our lives to, and that is to marriage. And Paul, of course, speaks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 32. And God, that we may say, well, it's everybody's right to get married. And that's precisely what we're talking about. It's not that it's wrong to get married, or God doesn't want people to get married. It's, it's giving up rights to things 
in order for the gospel to go forwards, should God be speaking that to you. Another thing to give up is the right to possessions. In Matthew 19.21 I, I believe it's okay for Christians to have nice things. But the nice things must not own them. They must own the nice things. We must be able to exchange our treasures for his treasures. I think another question to ask also is why, what is my motive for wanting nice things? Is it so that I look good to the neighbors? Is it so I can impress somebody uh, with the get clothes that I'm wearing? or the nice car that I'm driving up to church or to work in. Why do I want these things? There's a question that I think is helpful for Christians to ask. Because if the motive is wrong, then many times those things will end up owning you instead of you owning them. The right to possessions. Another thing that we may need to look at is the right to reputation in Psalm 69 verse 7 talks about giving up our reputation now Proverbs 22 verse 1 uh, tells us that a good name is more desirable than great riches and that's true we must be willing to sacrifice even our reputation if that's what it takes in order to carry out God's commands. Which has the greater influence on your daily decisions? The opinions of others or your desire to obey Jesus? Another thing to give up is our right to protection. Acts chapter 7 verse 59 through 60 and perhaps we'll, we'll just read there this right to protection because there are a lot of Christians who put themselves in harm's way for the sake of the gospel and uh, when they do they are uh, laying down this right for protection. Acts chapter 7 verse 59 and 60 it says, And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. When he had said this, he fell asleep. See, there is a certain danger in following Jesus. Jesus warned his disciples that some would suffer death for his sake. When I went through Bible college in New Zealand before I joined YWAM, there was another young man who studied with me. We both went out together. And uh, he finally married a, a young girl from Minnesota, went through Bethany Bible College, 
uh, also for further training and came back and joined me uh, in the Philippines. At that point, we were working up in the mountains. And Mike uh, loved the mountain people. And uh, he had some friends from church that came out to New, uh, from New Zealand to visit with him and his wife. And uh, they were due to leave uh, the city the next morning and take a bus ride back to Manila to catch their flight. It was about five or six hours away. And uh, Mike was um, a very uh, time-conscious person. He was always early. He never late for anything. And, uh, and so he said, I, I'll be there, you know, such and such a time in the morning. And I, I've written some letters. Would you please take them home to New Zealand and post them for me? Um, this was the day before computers, and so every bit of communication that took place was either an expensive international phone call or you wrote letters. So he'd written letters to various ones in New Zealand, and this couple that were visiting were going to be his delivery system. So the next morning comes around and Mike's not there. And uh, it's very unusual that he would not be there. So somebody decided to go around to Mike's place. And uh, that night, Mike <coughs> and his wife had both been killed. And so we found a horrific situation there with the little girl, uh, three-year-old, sitting in the middle of the pile of dry blood where both the parents had been stabbed to death. They had a little son who was only four months old on the bed. And uh, so dealing with this situation was an incredibly painful thing for me to mm -hmm. be involved in the first funeral I had participated in. And it was my, one of my best friends. We don't, we don't have a guarantee, you see, because we serve God, that we won't face danger. <coughs> and if we hold on to our life, then it's like a great tragedy. But if we give it up, we get to meet Jesus early. Depends whether you think the cup's half full or half empty. So we give up our life for protection. I, have any of you read the book, The Heavenly Man? You, you read that? Anybody else read that book? Two of you have read What book? The Heavenly Man. It's called The Heavenly Man. This is a, a brother from China. If you've not read that book, there's a big hole in your missions training. Mm -hmm. So fill the hole up, get that book, and read it. And in his story, The Heavenly Man uh, is captured by the Chinese authorities for his preaching of the gospel. He manages to escape, and he's captured the second time, he escapes a second time. When they capture him the third time, they say, you will never escape from us again. And so they put him into what was the most uh, secure cell they had in the country. And it was the prison where they put the most dangerous prisons of state. And, uh, and this prison was made up of basically seven prisons. So you've got the outer area where the least uh, dangerous prisoners are kept. And then inside that you've got another prison 
uh, where the next level of prisons are kept, and so on, all the way down, seven layers, till you get to the very centre of the prison. The very centre of the prison is a one cell, six foot long approximately, bars like you would put a lion in, and that's for the worst state uh, offender in China. This brother was put in there because he was considered to be the most dangerous criminal in China. And his offence was that he was a pastor who was preaching the gospel. This made him the most dangerous prisoner in the whole country. And when they put him in there, they took to him with a bat and they smashed his legs. And so when they smashed his legs, they pulverized the bones so that they were smashed uh, to smithereens. And so his legs swelled up like elephants' legs. And he couldn't move either legs because they were broken all over the place. And so he had to take his hands to move his legs like this. So, of course, he couldn't go to the bathroom. He couldn't walk in that little six-foot cell that they put him in anyway. And their comments to him were, you'll never leave this place. Uh, you'll never get away from us again. And while he's in that situation, he says, a man appeared. Now, you have to remember, he's in the greatest of all security uh, prisons that China has. And there's a guard on either side of the six-foot barred cell. And he says, a man appeared and said to him, you must escape. So he said, I can't escape. And so the man disappeared. But he reappeared again two or three minutes later and said to him again, you must escape. And he said, how can I escape? They've taken away my legs. And the man disappeared again. But he reappears a third time. And he comes back the third time and he says, you must escape now. And he said, he put his hands down to his legs and said he could move them. And great power from God came into his legs. And his legs went back to the normal size, bone to bone. And he stood to his feet and walked those few steps in that cell. And he said, the bars opened. And he walked out right in front of those two guards. He said, they were looking at me, but I knew they couldn't see me. And he walked out of that prison. He came to the next big, huge fence that was containing the next level. There was guards at the gate. He said he walked straight towards the gate. And he said that he knew the guards could see him, but he knew at the same time that they couldn't really see him. And he said they opened the gate for him, and he walks through. He did that all the way through six gates until he hit the very outer last one. He said there was no gate there where he was. And so he said, I just leapt over it like a deer and was free. How about that for a story? Mm. Not in the Bible, but just recent. I, I know this man had the privilege of talking to him. The right, you see, uh, to protection. God didn't keep him from the terrible suffering. But he did take him out of there and has since traveled the world cheering how this awesome deliverance took place. 
where an angel came and spoke with him and opened the gates, caused the men to be blinded so that the guards couldn't see him until he was free. Hallelujah. Here are some other things. Giving up the right to hell. Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 through 36. So in light of Jacob's midnight wrestling match, this was where Jacob was on his way back to meet Esau, his brother, and he has this situation developed where it's either Jesus or an angel, we don't know, comes and meets with, with Jacob, and Jacob has this tremendous passion that's developed in his heart that he wants to know God like his father did. And so he says, I won't let you go until you give me a revelation of who you are. He wants to know God's sake, and he's not going to let go. And finally, the angel smites Jacob in the hip and uh, forces Jacob to release him. He wrestles with God. And God broke a bone in his hip or a ligament or something. Brokenness makes it possible for God to use us. So we won't continue to depend on our own strength or trust in Jacob's limp became his daily reminder of his dependence on God. Somebody says, don't trust a man if he doesn't have a limp. <laughs> Paul had a thorn in the flesh and he asked God three times to take it away. We don't really know quite what that was, but some people believe that was possibly a failing eyesight that was Paul's thorn. Because in one of the, the points, uh, one of his uh, epistles, they said to Paul that they would uh, give him their very eyesight if they could, which was an indicative of the fact that perhaps Paul was losing his sight. And this was his thought. We don't really know. But following Jesus, we may have to give up our right to health. We hold on to it. Uh, it may be challenged. Quickly then, some other things. A right to a home. Luke chapter 9, 58. Jesus was homeless during the years of his public ministry. And he goes on to say in Matthew 19, 29. If given up family or real estate for my sake, such a person would receive a hundred times as much and inherit eternal life. Hallelujah. So, you know, giving up the right to a home, we're only talking about sojourning on the earth anyway, aren't we? Yeah. The right to a family, Matthew 10, 37. If it came to a choice of giving up your family or giving up your faith in Jesus, which would you choose? 
Muslims who become Christians have to deal with this every day. Because if their family disagrees with their choice, and in Islam, <coughs> they chop their heads off. So right to a family. Another thing that we may have to give up is the right to citizenship in a country. Jesus gave up his home in heaven. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8, Paul gave up his right to his homeland and set off to lonely, dangerous journeys that nearly cost him his life many times. What is it going to cost you to be an ambassador? The right to a career, Second Kings chapter 3, verse 11. A great man of God by the name of Duncan Campbell uh, went to the far-flung uh, islands north of Scotland uh, called the New Hebrides. And uh, Duncan said this was the last place on earth <laughs> in the natural he would chose to go to. But when he went there, it resulted in a fantastic revival. One of the greatest in the 20th century. And uh, Duncan speaks of what God did in that revival as something absolutely incredible. But he, he, he had a great career that he gave up to do that. And, uh, it may be that we need to sacrifice a career in order to serve the king. About three more here, you guys. Another thing that we may have to sacrifice is right to our time. 1 Kings 5.14 for sure, serving God is not always convenient. People show up when you weren't expecting it. But people come looking for something when it's not convenient. You've got to stop what you're doing. You don't want to. I've missed countless meals because it was time to go back to the YWAM base but I was in the middle of a conversation with somebody I was trying to lead to Jesus. So I said, forget about the I man. This is a lot more important. And so, uh, it's just not convenient always. And if that's something that you are not willing to give up, you will miss many opportunities. Three more. Another thing that we may be challenged by God to give up is food and fashion. 1 Corinthians 10 verses 32 to 33. And this especially so when our freedom may offend others. Uh, I'm, I know one time when I was had my little YWAM team in the bottom part of the Philippines and we were helping with a conference for pastors and 
nearly all of the pastors were from little churches in rural areas, so they were all poor and had struggled even just to get there. And um, they'd invited this brother that we knew from Manila to come down and share. And so his first day when he's preaching, he stands up and uh, he's dressed immaculately. He's got this fantastic set of clothes that you would wear to Malacanian Young Palace. And so uh, everybody's kind of dazzled by his appearance. So the next day, he comes out in an equally dazzling suit. Now remember, they're all pastors. The best they've got is jeans and t-shirts. Some of them without socks. Some of them with holes in the soles of their shoes. And, uh, and he's magnificent. So by the third and the fourth day, all that the pastors could talk about, even though his preaching was great, was what's he going to wear tomorrow? What color will he have tomorrow? Because it was always a different color and always spectacular. So by the, by the fifth day, the only thing that the pastors were caught up with was what he looked like, not what he had to say. So six months later, I happened to be talking to the supervisor of that denomination. I said, oh, by the way, you know, the conference that we hold, the survey, um, was it a, a success? Did it really help your pastors? And the guy put his head down and said, it was a disaster. I said, why? He said, well, I had so many pastors resigning because they feel like they don't look good enough to be a pastor. He said, others went to a tailor and they got clothes made like his that they couldn't afford and got themselves into debt. And now they've had to leave the pastor to go and earn money to pay for what they couldn't afford to have mm-hmm. because they thought the anointing was in the clothes. And if they were going to be successful like that preacher, they had to have what he had. Mm. What an awful story. Isn't that awful? So when you go to a place to serve Jesus, do not come looking like a million bucks. And don't go poor either, because that doesn't bless anyone. Doesn't honor God. So find a way of coming so that what they see is Jesus and not your appearance. Amen. We give up the right to look great and to wear the latest fashions because all the other teams are wearing them. Or this particular brand because everybody has them. And so sick of hearing that. Oh, we've got to have tattoos because everybody has them. Listen, Christians, be leaders, not followers. That's what you're learning here at Crosswind. Be leaders. Try to get my kids. Be leaders. You set the trends. Don't follow what the world has because it won't lead you closer to Christ for sure. All right. Two more. (coughs) Right to choose your own way. Ezekiel 24, verses 15 through 18. 
It's the cost of discipleship, really. And if you're reading, is that really you, God, which some of you are reading, I understand, you will have read the story of Lauren's car accident when Darlene was nearly killed. And what was Lauren's response when he thought he had a dead wife on his hands? He said, yes, Lord, I will serve you. I have nothing left except my life. You can have that too. The last one I've down here is right to save ourselves. Mark 8, 34 to 35. Ask God anything besides Jesus has become your security. He must be the only one who rules in your life. Giving up rights doesn't come easily because the human nature is self-preservation and to hold on to what we've got because it's mine. I own this. Well, when we gave our lives to Jesus, we gave our ownership folks. We became his. We were bought with a great price. We don't belong to ourselves. And so we have a, a misconception going on when we think we have all these rights. Because we're truly free when we give them away. We're not free when we hold on. But don't hold on to the things that you think you've got a right to. Because those very things are the things that still hold you when you think you're holding them. So I thought this morning might be a good opportunity for us to respond to Jesus and to say, Lord Jesus, these are the things that I feel you're challenging me and I'd like to give them back to you this morning. So we've got some pins up here in this little box and uh, you can bring your cards when you're ready. I want you to nail your card to the cross and this is your statement. I'm giving this to you, Lord, because I know I've been holding on to this and I've been challenged with it today. And, and I want to give it to you today because I want to be more like you. I want to be used by you. And I don't want these things to get in the way. So, Lord, I thank you this morning that we've been able to meet as a family here and just talk very plainly about living the Christ life. And uh, we, we easily are robust in our singing of songs about the cross words that are lovely. What is lovely to you is when those words go past the song and become action. And you see your children running to you, abandoning ourselves to you, holding on to nothing but you. Then we're really free. And when we're free,
we have great power and authority to live this life. And so I ask, Lord, that you would bless this next little uh, process as we bring things to you. And when we give them to you, help us not to take them back. Thank you. 
test and action group leaders to come up to the front now, would you? Students have to come up and make a way right there to pick the board. And Cal has uh, laid out before you decisions about what it really means to be a leader. And the first step is the step of humility. And boy, that's a lesson we all need to remember. So church, I want to ask you to raise your hand, lift your hand, extend it out towards these that are... Uh, taking on a mantle of leadership, of service, of servanthood, of of seeking the lowest place that they might serve the most. Yeah, college staff, why don't you come to you? That's fine. Church, I just want you to ask you to reflect to them what you see in Christ of all that He has given and how He has served us. And pray that, that these each one would, would receive strength from God's Spirit, instruction and counsel from His Word, hope from Jesus Christ, they might serve and find great joy in serving and laying down their lives. <coughs> Father, we're thankful that you're not finished with us. There are more people that you want to reach. There's more healing that you want to bring. There's more restoration and reclaiming, Father, what's been lost than it might be found. pray that you strengthen these that have gathered here with a, with a never-ending hope and, and joy, Father, in Christ. Lord, that you would well up within them a, a mighty work, Lord. Thank you, Let go of you and that they 
from, from your uh, arms of the grace of death. Lord, ones that um, have, have just released things unto you, I pray that also the shame of some of those things would be released and that we can free them. Freedom that would come in, in the very depths of their being. And Lord, I do pray for fresh anointing on them. And I pray that whether the, the wave of the gospel sweeps through their schools, their churches, their communities, Lord, uh, the different countries that you're going to have them go into, I pray it would be like a tsunami. Amen. Jesus in you. Yes, God. Amen. And that they wouldn't get their eyes on the tsunami or on the waves, but that they would keep their eyes and their hearts fixed on
with these others, Father. May you, may you prepare him. May you do a deeper work within him, Lord, to build up a confidence in him about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and what Jesus is doing. And all the people that Jesus wants to reach. Amen. That his name might be lifted high. That he might be glorified on the yes, earth today. And that, that he would reclaim all that belongs to him. Yes. Father, we're, we're just blessed to know brothers and sisters who want to see the word go forth. We are blessed, Father, and it's, it's, a, it's a taste of what heaven's going to be like, I think, to see everyone's their foremost desires that Christ be glorified. And they live their lives in obedience to that. Not claiming any right for themselves. And Lord, I just don't know what every specific about Louisa's life, but Lord, I just pray that uh, this whole area of rights in his life, that you would show yourself as provider. You would show yourself as counselor. You would show yourself as strength and wisdom. And you'd be the fire, Lord. The fire is Thank you, Jesus. Luis, now would you pray for these actually group leaders and college staff? Just in their ministry for them. Dear God, thank you so much for Father, we see that your plan is bigger than ours. Lord, these things that uh, we have heard about and thought about this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, make them real to us every day. 
And not only, Lord, what we have said goodbye to, but, Lord, what we've said hello to. Yes, sir. We've said hello to the King of Kings. Yes. The Lord of Lords. Lord, we've said hello to the bright morning star who rises up in our hearts. Amen. We've said hello to the answer to every question. Yes. We've said hello to the truth. Lord, we've said hello to freedom in Christ. Yes, given themselves to Christ and they find more than just English. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for that. Father, we rejoice together in Jesus' name. We rejoice together in Jesus' name. Thank you. 